We read that in Genesis 1-2 where the earth was full of vo was, was void and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And as we looked at that, the Holy Spirit took the formless mass, moved through darkness, filled the emptiness, and prepared the way for the Father and the Son. So all that at creation wasn't just done because God was bored and he wanted to create earth and have plants and trees. There was a plan in the foundations of the earth. So God created a formless place. In fact, if you go back, rather than making a perfect man, at the foundations of his plan, he created the perfect imperfect man. People that would reject him, curse him, deny him. Why? Because God wanted to demonstrate that his love could even win over his enemies. And so he hovered over the face of the void, the void of your life, the void of my life, our darkness. And despite our enmity towards God, the Bible said that while we were in sin, he loved us. So he hovers over us. God sets things in order before he even speaks. And so we know that without the Spirit, nothing that is made will come into being. The Spirit of our Father, in Matthew 10, 20, as we learn about God, sometimes, especially when you're new in Christ, you really don't know what to say. And the Bible says that the Spirit of your Father will give you the words you need to speak when you need them. Amen? So believers should not fear, but should trust the Holy Spirit to tell them what to say. Now, it's okay. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for education, right? I, I always say this. I got two masters and a doctoral degree. But that, you know what? That amounts to a hill of beans when it comes to knowing who God is. It, because I have found that all that academic studying has caused me more trouble than good in my relationship to God. I had to overcome that and realize that without Him, we're nothing. Nothing at all. And so now it's the Spirit of God that I rely on to give me words, not academic proudness. I, I, can, I can sit up here and give you a history lesson from FDR to now. I can talk about every church father. I, I, I can get down into the Greek, the Hebrew, the Chicano. I don't know. I can, I can just tell you all these facts, and that amounts to nothing. All it will make, make me look like I know something, but if it doesn't change people's life, what good is it? What good is it? It's all garble. What matters is when the Spirit of God gives you a word. All you need is one word from the Spirit of God, and that'll match all the encyclopedias combined. One word. Because he is the breath of life. Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. See, all that we are and all that we have, we owe to God, for he has brought us life by his Spirit. We owe our physical and spiritual life to the Spirit of God, God's Spirit. And then he said, we, we learned that God said, my spirit will not always contend with man. But why? Because men have the propensity, they have the, this, like, I call it the, 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 um, the bedroom closet mentality. We do. We're like a bedroom closet. Because I can go to my bedroom closet, and I've done it every, maybe once every 10 years. You go in there, and you make your closet perfect. You ever do that? 
You, you put all your clothes right, da, 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 da. You put your shoes right, da, 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 da. It's all like, you walk out, you go, dun, da, 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 right? You walk out, and a week later, you come back, and it's, it's a mess. Like, how did it happen? Life. Life happened. And see, that's how we are. We can come and get clean today, but life happens to us, and our closet of our heart gets all messed up. Amen? Oh, my. Yes, it does. Huh? And nonetheless, God comes, and he says, look, you need, he understands that, but he said, you always have to continually wash yourself with the Word of God. Wash yourself with the Word of God. Because if not, the closet of your life is going to corrupt you. Hmm? Unless you're, 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 you know, you have no problem with, with life. Amen? But the warning is clear. God's Spirit will not always strive for man forever. Why? Because some men like a dirty closet. Oh, they like the mess. They like it. They're, they're like, you know, you know how they are. They like it like that. No, 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 no. It can't be like that. See, and those who refuse his voice will eventually face God's judgment. Thank God there's nobody like that in here today. Amen? Well, God bless two of you. The rest of you are like, are you guys worried? Amen? See, we're, we're talking about the Spirit of God. And, and as you look at Genesis 41, and then again, I'm trying to give you a review of the last two weeks. This is a quick one. I'm going to get to my point in, in a little bit. Pharaoh asked in Genesis 41, 38, 31, rather 41, 38, can anyone find anyone like this man whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh was there, and he saw this young man by the name of Joseph, and he saw two distinct attributes that he couldn't explain through natural means. He had this ability to interpret dreams. But not only that, he had wisdom of man himself. He just knew things. They asked him a question, and he could answer things. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, and the Holy Spirit's presence is in our lives, it opens doors for greater service for God. And because Joseph had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, even though he was in prison for a false accusation, somehow that Spirit of God caused him to rise to the top, you know, the big potato. And when you're following God, somehow, some way, you always tend to rise to the top. People recognize there's something different about it. You know, if you're, if you're following God and you're, you're, you're maintaining his principles at work, they want to keep you as an employee. Why? Because something different about you. You, you know, they can trust you now. Especially like nowadays, you know, construction uh, companies. If you want to find dope fiends and drug addicts, all you got to do is go to a construction site. Right? Because the guys laying brick are getting loaded. The guys doing the roof can't wait to hit, get, get, get a little toke. Huh? The, the guys running electricity are all spun on, on meth and, and running wire. That's what we're living in today. Right? And so when somebody comes and says, no, I don't do that. I don't walk that way. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, I'm following Jesus Christ. All of a sudden the employer says, oh my goodness, I got me one. Keep this one. Because at least he'll show up on work on Monday and won't split on me on Friday. Hello? Because why? You're following the Spirit of God. God's favor or His anointing comes upon your life. The Bible calls that oil. And we, we ended with that last year, the oil. When Samuel, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, took the oil and anointed uh, King David in his, in his presence of his brothers and his fathers, it said the power of God came upon him. Not just oil, not just uh, uh, um, uh, some kind of ritual. There was a transfer of power. And so when I look at that, I said, what the heck is wrong with us? 
People come to church and they leave the same. There's no transfer of power. What, what, what is wrong? I believe the problem is we have no understanding of who God really is. The power. So I tell people the power to create the heavens and the earth is in your life and you can't handle your problems? The power. The power that, that stopped the sun in the sky is in your life and you can't handle an issue? The power that, that stopped the Jordan River is, is at, your, at your disposal and you got mad because somebody cut you off on Academy Boulevard. And I go, wow. God, we need power. And, and it's it get deeper than that. We, don't just, we need to really know who the Holy Spirit is. To really have an encounter with who God is. Because if you had an encounter with God, all those other peripheral minor things, and listen, other than life and death, everything is just pretty minor. If, if you knew who the Holy Spirit was, you'd be able to, you know, it's okay, God, because I know you're with me. Oh, troubles come and trials go, huh? But you got to keep your faith. Save your soul. Huh? But no, we get caught up by the situations. We forget who God is. We lose the, the, the relationship. That oil is a familiar biblical symbol of the Holy Spirit. The oil set kings and priests apart for service to God. In the New Testament, Jesus went out with, out with the 12, and he got the 12, and he sent them out, and he anointed them to go minister in his name. They came back, and they cast out demons. They anointed the sick, and they were healed. They went out, moved in power. I think everybody who knows Jesus Christ one day in their life, at least once, should be able to lay their hands on somebody, and they would recover. I believe that. Why do I believe it? Because it's possible. The only thing that hinders that is us. Our sinful ways. Our untrustworthy manners. Our judgments. Our prejudices. Our prejudices. Our lies. Our, and you notice what I'm saying? Our. Because I'm throwing myself in the boat. So we have to pull out of that. And say somehow rise above that. And say, God, I want to have a relationship with you where nothing else matters. Nothing. Nothing else matters. Can we get there? Or worse, do you want to get there? Paul, I mean, David writes, after he sinned, he says, cast me not away from your presence. Then he goes and says the most profound thing, and the implication that this could happen to any one of us. And he says, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And that leads us to today. See, God is the breath. The Holy Spirit is the breath of the Almighty. In Job, he's having a conversation with his friends. And Job was a righteous man. He would give tithes for all his children. And he would tithe and give money for, for sins that he didn't even know his children made. But he would come and bring it just in case they made them. He would bring offerings to God continually, day after day, week after week, year after year, following God oftentimes alone, being mocked for him, being so holy. Then his friends said, God has left you. Look what's happened to you. You've lost it all. In Job in 33.4, his friend, his, 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 uh, Elihu, was one of his friends, said, the Spirit of God has made us, and the breath of the Almighty gives life. Then he goes down to verse 14. If it were his intentions 
and he would, through his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish. Now he's talking to him and giving him some insight. See, certain doctrines downplay the Holy Spirit or relegate him to a role less than equal to God. So you have God the Father and Jesus, I know. But I, when is the last time you said, the Holy Spirit saves? Or, you know what I'm saying? What would the Holy Spirit do? But we're all, well, and I'm not minimizing God, of course not. We give him all the glory. And I minimize Jesus because he's our example. He came down to earth and, and was our, our sacrifice. But listen, like I've said many times, Jesus is no longer here. See, I, don't, I, I hate that T-shirt. What would Jesus do? I know what he would do. I read the gospel. It told me. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what we will do. What will we do? And the only way we're going to do something is if we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done something for God lately, my friend, you might wear all the Jesus teachers you want. You, you're my name, my, you might be from Mexico, and your name may be Jesus. But it ain't going to help you, man. What would Jesus do? No, what would you do? And the only way I can answer that or you can answer that is when you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you have the breath of life. And if you have the breath of life, you have to do something. Something. Huh? See, without the Holy Spirit, this scripture tells us that all mankind would perish. I like what it said. It would promptly perish. Boom. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Holy Trinity, equal in position and power to the Father and the Son. These verses also stress the sovereign power of the Spirit. And listen, you, I, we owe our very lives to the Holy Spirit. Our very lives. For He is the breath of life. The understanding of the Holy Spirit goes beyond human knowledge. The wisdom that comes with, with, the age, with age and experience cannot comprehend them. Through the Holy Spirit, even young men and women will possess insight well past their years. See, I can see a young man full of the Holy Ghost and go, oh, so this guy's different. He may not have no degree. He may just barely getting, getting, getting out of high school. But if he's got a relationship with the Holy Ghost, things begin to happen. Boom, boom. Now they should go ahead and get an education because they'll get a better job. Because you can't put on your resume, we'll work for you, fill with the Holy Spirit. People don't buy it, man. We live in a secular world. Huh? But when you have it, there's something different about you. Age, age is no, no separator, no barrier. And notice the two separate entities described here. He says the Spirit of God, and he separates them, and the breath of life. His Spirit and breath. See, you can have the breath of life, but no spirit. Actually, you never really come alive until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because death does not equate being buried into the grave. That is not death. Death is eternal separation from God. So if you are not having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, my friend, you are the walking dead. You're like those zombies. What's that zombie thing that the, the, the young people look? The walking dead. See, I even knew, I didn't know. The walking dead. You are the walking dead. You're all, uh, 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 in the Spirit. Why? Because you don't know the Holy Spirit. 
You might, you might say you're a Christian, go to this, do that. No, I don't care about all that mess. I was baptized, sanctified. No, okay, but let me see some power. Let me see what you're really about. Let me see if you know God, right? Uh, uh, people like that who act all holy and religious, I like to put, put them next to someone who's demonically possessed to scare the hell out of them. I, I do. I pray that. I pray that every one of you come in contact with a demon. So that you can find and say, God, I need you. Because some people don't really believe that it exists. Oh, that's a, that's a movie. That's Ghostbusters. Do, 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 Right? But when the reality starts happening, are you strong enough to handle it? In fact, are you strong enough to handle my preaching? Well, so we, the breath of God, we must bow before an awesome power. I ask that, that power sweep through this church. Renew Victor Arch Colorado Springs and give our leadership, our church member wisdom beyond their years. I, I'm getting too old. I'm getting old. Yesterday was my birthday. 58. I looked in the mirror, I said, How in the heck did that happen? 58. And I, I can't wait for people to grow up. Let me say that again. Because I only heard my wife back me up on that one. I said, I can't wait for people to grow up. I need you to be, have wisdom beyond your years. I don't want you to, to make 10 years of mistakes and, oh, I finally got it. No, you don't have to make mistakes. If you're following the Holy Ghost, he'll lead you and guide you to all truth. He didn't, he didn't say, I'll lead you and guide you to all your mistakes. That's you. He wants to lead you and guide you to all truth. But most people don't follow uh, the Holy Spirit. And they say stupid things like this. I have to learn the hard way. Man, not, I, I can't believe that. You're, you're, you're cursing yourself. You don't have, nobody has to learn the hard way. But when you say that, that's your role. That's what you get. Be it to you unto your faith, the Bible says. Or you can say, no, I choose to, to, to learn the way the Holy Spirit tells me, that I would follow him to all truth. I don't have to learn the hard way. I can learn the right way. I can be blessed. I can have prosperity. I don't need trials. I don't need all this other stuff. I don't need to end up in the home. I don't need to end up in the home. No, I can learn because I'm following the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, some of you folk really need the home. Because you don't know how to follow God. All you do is follow your flesh. Well, now I'm not preaching now. I'm starting to meddle, huh? Amen? This is where I really wanted to get. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. Because God, the Holy Spirit, should be our double portion. Now, I know this is going to be a bad analogy from the pulpit. But I can't help it. Because I have a pretty messed up background, but it's in there. So Elijah was talking to Elisha, or rather, Elisha was asking Elijah, and he said, I want a double portion. And when I, the first thing I thought of with that is like, yeah, I relate to that. Because when I was in the neighborhood, I mean, I'm 58, got saved when I was 25, July 21st, 1985. I got saved on my birthday, by the way. Right? 25. But before then, we used to always want to double up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Huh? We said, no, we didn't just want a little bit. We wanted to do what? Double up. Well, 
So when I, when I seen Elijah, I go, that's my guy. Why? Because right here, Elijah says, I want to double up. Oh, yeah, you're going to give me some sum sum, but I don't want a little sum sum. What do I want? I want to double up. I like this guy. He says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. He's talking to the man. This is Elisha. This guy, he, in, in, in 79 words, he prayed fire, come down to heaven, and it consumed uh, 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 an offering. Elisha, it was a bad motor scooter right there. And he said, Elisha, you're bad, but I want to double up. The spirit of Elisha. Later on, we find rest on Elijah. Huh? See, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit in quarter, according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17. See, uh, he knew something a little different. There was a law, there was a rule that most people just kind of skip. But Elijah, uh, rather, Elisha didn't skip him. And he said this the firstborn son was entitled to a double share of the father's possessions. See, now, Elisha was not Elijah's uh, son, natural son, but he was his spiritual son. So Elisha knew, wait a minute, this is Elijah, he's got this anointing, I'm his firstborn spiritual son. So he walked in the corner of the scripture and said, wait a minute, I know something, I want to double up. Huh? Again, although Elijah was not literally Elijah's son, he was truly his firstborn heir in terms of spiritual power. Huh? That's what he is. That's what I told uh, uh, Nikki years ago. Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz. He's preached and probably led more men to the Lord other than Billy Graham. Billy Graham's a bad dude. Right? But Nikki. Because all over the world, he, to this day, he's 78, speaks over 200 times a year all over the world. So I'm always with Nikki, and I go, Nikki, I want your anointing. And he looked at me like, he just smiled, and he just smiled, and he didn't say one thing. He just looked away. I said, okay, because he got a son-in-law, and I like Patrick. He's a great guy. But I want Nikki's anointing. Because and he has a lot of people that led to the Lord, right? But guess what? I want Nikki's anointing. I want to lead men and women to the Lord. But and and I don't just want one. What do I want? I want to double up. I want to double up. This I do. Uh, he looked at me, smiled, and I still ask him again. Well, I'm going to follow him around. And I'm going to follow him around. I'm going to serve until the day I die because I want his anointing. I want that anointing on my life. Hmm? So Elijah was thus asking for a double share of the spiritual power Elijah possessed. Power <clears throat> which came directly from the Holy Spirit at work in his life. So you can't ask for, well, I want to double up and you're over here living like a devil. Elisha was Elijah's servant. Huh? He was his his. his Oh, let me say it like this to get some of you mad. Elisha was Elijah's boy. So I don't mind being Nikki's boy. Because when you have an issue with that, that means you have pride. But Elisha said, I don't care about all that stuff. I'm going to serve this dude. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to follow him. Because in his mind, you know that question, I want the double portion, didn't happen. No, he's been thinking about it. 
just like I've been thinking about it for decades. He's been thinking about it. And all of a sudden, something was happening in Elijah's life. Right? He didn't ask for the ministry or twice as great as Elijah. He didn't want that. No, he wasn't looking for the ministry, no. His desire was not for, for the power to work twice as many miracles. No, 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 no. Elijah simply wanted to continue Elijah's ministry. Elisha wanted to continue his leader's ministry. He wasn't looking for his own ministry. He wasn't looking for his own thing. He goes, no, 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 no. I just want to do what you're doing, but I want to do twice as much. I want to continue in your ministry. It was a godly request from a young man who loved his mentor. 2 Kings 2.2, Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now I read that, why? Because as you're looking for anointing, anybody want an anointing? Praise the Lord. As you're looking for anointing, you're going to have to go through so many uh, precepts of understanding and, and steps. And there'll be great steps that'll hinder you along your path. Right? Because Elisha, if he had not gotten the double portion anointing, he would have probably been a good man. He would have taught the Word of God. He would have he did his thing, and he probably would have did fairly well. But that's not what he wanted. So Elijah knows that something's going to take place, and in fact, it went out. That God is getting ready to take Elijah away. They knew it. It was the rumor going out. And so Elijah goes to Elisha, you know, I'm going to Bethel. You need to stay here. And he told him, you need to stay here. But then Elijah answered, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Very interesting word, Bethel. It's a city there in Israel, but the word Bethel means a place of worship. So he says, I need you to stay here. And he goes, no, I'm going to go with you to a place of worship. So Elijah said, okay. He couldn't take him away. I'm not leaving. So they go to a place of worship. Elijah comes with him. They're in a good place, right? How many want to go to a place of worship? We all want to go to a place of worship. But here's the issue. Most settle for a place of worship. Elisha remained loyal. 2 Kings 2.4, the same question. Now they're leaving the place of worship. They've been there a while, and Elijah tells Elisha, we're going to book. Well, he didn't say it like that, but I said it like that. He said, we're going to leave, and I want you to stay here. Why don't you stay at the place of worship? And what does Elisha say? As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. So other, rather than staying at this great place of worship, he said, nope, I'm going with you. So they walked. And Elijah said, well, check this dude out. He ain't leaving me. All right, cool. He walked. And they go where? They go to Jericho. Now they head to Jericho, and Jericho was a very strategic place. It's a, it was a key to the land. It was situated at the entrance of two passes through the hills. So in other words, you, you, if you controlled Jericho, you almost controlled the entire land. It led between Jerusalem and the other was to Ai and Bethel. There was Jericho in the middle, right? So Jericho was also called an oasis situated in a high plain. So they go to this key strategic city. Probably the best place to live at that time was in Jericho. Why? Because it was an oasis. It was beautiful. Are you kidding me? They left the house of worship and where did they go? They went to an oasis. Quiero que sepas. So they go there into this oasis, and they're having a good time, right? 
See, those that look more, look for more than a place of worship often settle for an oasis. See, today we don't call it an oasis. You know what we call it today? Today we call it prosperity. See, we, we want to go to church and we want to go to a prosperity church. Right, because you want to you have a place of worship and you want to have a, what? an oasis. But what did Elisha say? <laughs> Elisha remained loyal. So what did Elisha want? Remember, Elisha wanted the double up. He didn't ask for, Elijah, give me a worship place. No. He didn't say, Elijah, give me an oasis. I want prosperity. No. He said, no, 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 no. I want a double portion. Right? He knew that in his heart. So what did he do? Verse 6. But as he, as he said, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So two of them went to Jordan. Woo! So they leave the place of worship. That was cool. They had a good time. Great worship, worship team. Then they went to an Asus. Wow, prosperity. Look at man. I, I drive a Lexus, got a nice car, love the Lord, going to church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Left to the oasis. And then they go to Jordan. They went to a, a plot of land there. The, it flows from north to south down a deep valley in the center of the country, the Jordan. They often call the Jordan River the descender. The name descender. Uh, describes the, the, the rapid way in which it descends from its highest point to the Dead Sea. Boom. It descends very rapidly. It's not like, a, a, you know, not like the Mississippi, the Great Mississippi, huge Mississippi. But that's not a descender. It just kind of flows down the middle, right? Real takes a little while. But when you come to the Jordan River, oh, no, 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 no. This comes down rapidly, right? The total length of the Jordan River is about 104 miles if you drew a straight line. But it falls 2,400 feet. Think about that, 2,400 feet in 100 miles. That's okay, from here, we're about 6,400 feet right here in Colorado Springs. Some areas a little higher, a little lower. And Denver is a mile high, which is roughly about 5,300. So we have about 1,100 di uh, uh, feet difference. We're higher. And it's about the same distance, from center town to center town. Now, the, the Jordan River was another 1,000 feet plus higher, and descended like a rocket. It was called the Great Descender. See, but the Jordan River, it was a place and described throughout Bible history as a place of miracles. One prophet was told to, to, to dip himself seven times in the Jordan, and then he was completely healed uh, 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 of his disease. Prophets, people uh, come to the water of Jordan and touch it, and it stopped the Jordan River. Miracles. Not only that, it was the Jordan that described one's journey to the promised land. So now here is Elisha preparing to cross the Jordan, which represents not only miracles, but the promise. But it took him some courage to, 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 to get the promise. Why? Because he had to reject the place of worship. He had to re reject the prosperity of an oasis. And he had to continue to be loyal to a man who was getting ready to leave him. The Jordan is the place of miracles. See, whenever you choose to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, people will attempt to discourage you. And that's the story, part of the story I want to focus on. In 2 Kings, the same chapter, I didn't read it. I'm trying to get through for the sake of time. In verse 3, 
while he was getting ready to go to Bethel, or being asked to stay here, and he wanted to go to Bethel, right? But the prophet said, stay here, because the prophet was testing his disciples to see if he was really with them. And it says in verse 3, as the sons of the prophets who were with Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord would take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Ooh, I like that. In verse 5, the same thing. When he's leaving to the other city, and there he is in Jer Jericho, the same thing. Now I'm saying it was prophets. It wasn't the world. It wasn't the, the prophets of Baal. No, no. These were people in the church. When they were getting ready to leave, and there in verse 5, it says, The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. So I like that. Let me tell you something. When, when you're following the Holy Spirit, people that are not following the Holy Spirit, and I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about in church, that are not following the Holy Spirit as they should, they will try to, to put you down. Why? Because they know that you're different, and you're leading, you're following something that they have not been following. And because you follow and they don't, you will affect them. In effect, you will convict them, and they'll try to convince you, no, don't do that, bro. Don't do that. Sister. No, 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 no. Don't listen. Don't listen. And you have to be like Elijah and say, shut up. Well, he said, keep quiet. But I give you the permission to say, shut up. I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit. I ain't following you. Oh, yeah, yeah, my friend. I'm not, I met you in church and praise God. But if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit, then you need to follow me and you need to shut up. Let's go. We're following the lead of the Holy Ghost. I ain't following your mess. Because people will discourage you. I can't tell you the tens, twenties, thirties, the hundreds of people who try to discourage me from my call. And if I had listened to them, I would not be here. I would not be here. One guy tried to question my pastor and his wife. Now, I hate saying this because then you, I'm not trying to give you a license to do anything crazy. But he kept talking. I go, if you keep it up, me and you are going outside right now. I'm going to knock you out. I should have just said, shut up. But I didn't. I didn't know that word yet. But he got the message. You don't talk, you don't talk like that. I'm following the leading Holy Ghost. You need to stop it. They try to, try to put you off your, off your track. And listen, it could be the most, it could be your best friend, your worst friend, I don't know. It could be family, friend, foe. But when you begin to really follow the Holy Spirit, religious folk will tell you to stop it. Don't go. Don't do it. Oh, those people at Victor Irish, they're crazy. Well, let me let you in on something. We is. <laughs> to Elisha's request, to Elisha's request, Elijah wisely replied that the power... Now, let's get back to the other story. Elisha asked Elijah, I want the double portion, right? And Elijah wisely replied that that power was not his to grant, Right? The issue rests solely in God's sovereign will, right? Because no man can promise spiritual power to another. Only God can do that. But I can do, I do understand one thing. But to gain that type of power, you have to find a man of God to follow and submit to. Because God wants to see your followability. Because if you can't follow a godly man, there's no way in hell. That you can follow God. Period. 
And what's, what's the big excuse or the escape? Here's the escape. Well, you know, all these Christians, you know, that, that, we can't trust all these men of God. And you're right. You can't trust all these men of God. You're, you're right. I watch them on TV, too. I feel like walking on that TV and slapping them like a circus monkey. But we can't. Huh? But you're going to have to follow somebody. And you got to fight the right, find the right man of God, the right one of God to follow. And then once you find the right one, you better stay with him. Why do you think I've been in Victor Arch 33 years? Because that man, my pastor, went on to be the Lord, but he never did me wrong. And before he died, he told me a couple things. He told me, save souls, huh? And follow that man, his pastor. So guess what I do? That's it. And a lot of, a lot of preachers, a lot of people say, oh man, no, 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 you're a following man. You know what I tell them? Shut up. Uh, very simple. Jesus saved me. Amen? But, but that man raised me. That would be like telling me I'm not going to listen to my dad no more. Shut up. Jesus saved my life. The Holy Spirit changed me, transformed me, set me free from, from violence, drug addiction, right? You name it, perversion, set me free in the moment and twinkling that one day I was getting high and wanting to shoot people. The next minute I was delivered from all drugs, everything, uh, every kind, and I actually began to love people. That blew my mind. So I know where I stand. I know who saved me, but I also give honor where honor is due. I know who raised me. I am Jesus saved, but victory outreach raised. That's a fact. And that's too committed for some folk. I can't change that. That's just how we roll. We're kind of like committed. We're committed to the cause of reaching the lost, no matter the cause. We're committed to going to every inner city of the world and preaching the gospel. What are you committed to? I tell people like that, what are you committed to? Oh, I'm not committed to no man. I just go from this church to that church, to this to that church. Well, just don't come to my church. Huh? No. We want people that are committed. Committed, loyal, wanting, willing to give their lives for God. Willing to go anywhere in the world if God so happened to call them. If he doesn't, praise the Lord. But if he calls you, are you ready to go? Who are you following? See, if we were following uh, Gandhi, don't follow that dude. Don't go anywhere in the world. If you were following Muda, you don't want to follow some fat little Oriental rub his belly. No, we're talking about Jesus Christ. Huh, the awesome, the finisher of our faith, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then we have to ask you, do you want to follow him? Are you kidding me? See, I was saved. I was set free. I was bound by drugs, witchcraft, perversion. I was bound. In, the, in one moment, God set me free. Are you kidding me? I will follow that God anywhere to the gates of hell if I have to, to reach somebody out. I will follow that anywhere. And if you don't like it, shut up. That's the kind of people I want to raise up at Victor Outreach. If it's too deep for you, I'm sorry, it hurt your feelings. There's a lot of great places that will take care of you. But that's just how I roll. I can't change me. That's how God saved me. That's how God trained me. Elijah 6, 8, and I'm going to close with this, I think. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, the Lord, As the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Look at this. Fifty men of sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance. See, they're just looky-loos. They didn't commit. They're just looking. They came, they came to see the preacher. 
they came to look at the evangelist. As they both were standing by the Jordan, then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up, struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Dig that. Now remember this. If Elisha would have listened to the prophets in Bethel, he'd still be in a great place. and He'd be in the house of worship. Oh, hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Jesus is alive for life forever. That's what he would have been at. Cool. That's good for him. Good. That's good for some folk. All right. But he didn't. He moved on. Then he went to the prosperity. Then he'd be really be alive. He'd be living large. Oasis. Woo. Having lemonade in the shade. You know what I'm talking about? Making uh, real nice, doing good. Woo. I got it good here, man. Driving his nice ride. You're Christian. Love the Lord. Okay, cool. That's good for you. Cool. No, 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 no. Elijah No, no, no. I'm going with you, dude. He went with him. He gets to the Jordan and he sees the mighty descender with the rapids coming down, stopped, just by the touch of a cloak. Boom. <laughs> Man. That's why many people never see power, because they never get past Bethel, and they never get past Jericho. You want to see power? You got to get past Bethel, and you got to get past Jericho. And everybody has a Bethel. Everybody has a Jericho. If you haven't seen power like that, because you're still over there, you hadn't followed to the Jordan. So the secret of Elijah's ministry was the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life. After they crossed, Elijah asked for a double portion of that same Spirit who had already been at work in his life. It was the Holy Spirit that gave him that desire. God granted Elijah's request because Elijah's request came from a pure heart. He was tested. His loyalty was tested. The things he wanted in life were tested. And he rejected all those things. And he said, no, I'm staying with you. He was tested with pure motives, with pure motives, with pure motives, with pure motives. We may freely ask God to do great things through us. Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak. Now here's the young Padawan, the young protege, the mentee. Elijah picked up Elijah's cloak, the same cloak that he had just struck it. After he had been taken away, he takes it up. And then he hits the water and he cries out because he was not sure of himself. He didn't know who he was yet. And he cries out, where now is the Lord of Elisha? Ooh, come on now. He, was, he didn't know if God would respond to him like he responded to his master. He cried out, where now is the Lord God of Elijah? And God heard him. Hmm? At those words, the waters parted just as they had for Elisha. And who was watching? Remember all the church looky-loos? The prophets? They were across the river saying, whoa. Look what happened. Surely the God of Elisha, Elijah rather, is now with Elisha. But it took testing. It took testing. Some people go through a trial. Oh, I can't do it no more. I gotta take a break. Sissy. Oh, I'm, oh the devil's after me. Oh, I, I'm afraid. Coward. Come on, are you kidding me? 
Listen, people. You are filled, or you have the possibility to be filled with the power that split the Jordan. If you are filled with that, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? Huh? What are you worried about? Do we have to be greater than that, greater than ourselves to allow our flesh to hold us back? See, if, again, if Elijah remained in Bethel or Jericho, he would have never saw that miracle. And at that moment, as I close, the prophets from Jericho confirmed that the spirit of Elijah had been given to Elisha. Today, today is your day. Today, let me say it again. Is the mic on? You guys can hear me out there? Today, it's your day. Mm. See, 